This is Get a Real Job, the podcast devoted to people who choose risk over safe bets, who pursue their passion against all odds and are doing what they want, how they want, despite people and sometimes the voices in their own heads telling them they're nuts. When the field that I wanted to work in didn't exist, I created it. The only thing you have to decide is how hard you want to work. I really never went into the design of the restaurant of not succeeding. One way or another, I was going to succeed. I'm your host, Dan Bova, editorial director of entrepreneur.com. Thanks for listening. And now, get a real job. If you've recently streamed a show that scared you or just kind of weirded you out, there's a good chance that today's guest is to blame. Nelson Craig is a director, producer, and cinematographer who has worked on a ton of shows, including American Horror Story, American Crime Story, Ratchet, and Them, which is currently streaming on Amazon Prime. Please welcome the spooky and the spectacular Nelson Craig. Nelson, how are you? I'm doing great. Excellent. Excellent. So you look like you're relaxing in a luxurious... uh, somewhere that is not like me crammed in the basement of my house. Where are you and what are you up to? So, well, I'm, I've been in Toronto for a couple months now. Uh, and it's, it's on a project I'm not supposed to mention in the sense of like, I can't say what it is. It's going to be released soon, but it's a, it's a, it's for Amazon. It's another Amazon project. And, uh, it's going to be, it's going to be really, a really big, big thing. Um, So, uh, yeah, so I've been up here, we did quarantine, you know, when you come to Canada from the States, you have to quarantine for 14 days, which is, uh, quite an experience. They put you up in a government, uh, a government hotel for three days and they, they don't let you leave your room. They give you food like in prison. Really? (laughs) Yeah. And then you get a, you get two COVID tests. And once you pass those, then you can go to your, your place of quarantine for another two weeks. Really? Yeah. So it's really a weird it's a weird chance to watch a lot of netflix a lot of amazon prime <laughs> it's, it's forced like, binging exactly yeah, yeah. i was like i'm gonna watch bridgerton i that it wasn't really on my list but i was like i'm gonna watch the whole thing and i did so you know it was great it, that sounds like the setup of one of your shows honestly <laughs> it um, does it does they always so, get dark yeah yeah i watched uh i i watched a couple of episodes of them and uh great. i have to say it's it's pretty great very entertaining very Thank very you. freaky so i definitely recommend that and, you know, between that and some of the other things that you've worked on, um, I know in various roles, but I, I wonder, you're, you're directing or you're, you're filming people who have to do and say some really horrible things. Yeah. And you ever like look at the person and be like, whoa, that was way too convincing. Like you came off way too naturally as a psycho there. I mean, you know, definitely there's moments, you know, it's, it's hard. I mean, you know, like you have a, you have a character like Alison Pill who plays this really horrible racist, you know, Betty Wendell. Right. And, uh, you know, we're all, you know, most of these actors, you know, we're all like very somewhat liberal, you know, like progressive people. And, and it's, and it's, it's difficult to kind of sometimes embody those characters, you know, right. it's, uh, it's, you know, though, cause to play a role really effectively, you know, you kind of have to, you have to tell that person's story, you know, there's no, there's no bad, there's no villains in a, in a movie, you know, everybody thinks they're doing the right thing in the sense for them. So it was, uh, yeah, there's definitely challenging moments and there's, you know, we all see really scary images, you know, like these, 
these these like racist uh, gollywog dolls that you know the horrible things burned into people's lawns this black family's lawns it's and it's it is traumatic in a way i mean there was yeah. there's a lot of tears sometimes the actors when they they come to set you know there's they're holding it together but when they get into the trailer they tell me they broke into tears you know wow. and i had these kind of meltdowns cuz it's it's hard stuff to see and it's yeah we approach it like a work day. We've got a schedule and we've got to make mm. these things, but there is, there is obviously the human element and, and uh, yeah, it's, it can be really challenging and some of those images stay with you for sure. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, you know, just to, to backtrack for people a little bit, I mean, I assume everyone knows what a, a director and a, an executive producer Talk about a cinematographer, because I don't think, I mean, I think people probably know what that means, but do they really, Nelson, <laughs> do they really know what that means? Absolutely. So, yeah, you know, I uh, I started, I went to USC uh, for film school, for grad school, and and I uh, I always, you know, wanted to be a director uh, growing up. And, and what I found when I got to film school is that I had a real skill for visual images, because um, I had come from a fine arts background. I did a lot of drawing, painting, printmaking, things like that. I studied a lot of art. So um, when it came time to kind of work professionally, I knew that I could easily get work as a cinematographer, um, which is, and that person is tasked with the photography, the images that are created within a movie or a television show or a short, whatever it is. So you, um, so the cinematographer specifically will run three departments, which is a, a camera department, which are the people that are in charge of the actual cameras, um, what that gear is, setting them up, operating them. Uh, then you have, you're in charge of a, a, a thing called the, the, uh, the lighting department, which is the electricians, you call them. And that's a, run by a gaffer. And that's the person who does all the lighting on the set. Uh, all the stuff you don't see, you know, um, to make everybody look good or bad or whatever the story calls for. And then uh, there's a grip crew, which is involved in physical kind of logistics of moving the cameras. So the dollies, uh, cranes, uh, kind of the heavy equipment, like these are the people that carry, you know, like move all the big equipment, do mm. a lot of the rigging for when we need cameras. You know, if I want a camera on top of the building, it's like the grips have to rig something, get it up there. They have to bring in the right crane or... So anyway, so it's those three departments and the director of photography works, you know, with those people and then works in collaboration with the director. And oftentimes the cinematographer nowadays is, is the director as well. It's kind of, right. uh, you know, Zack Snyder just did uh, army of the dead and he, he shot it himself. Um, you know, famously, um, Steven Soderbergh's always done that for a long mm -hmm. time. He shoots his own stuff. And I do that on occasion myself. Uh, when I, when I directed, uh, Versace, uh, American crime story, the second season, uh, I, I shot which my own was, Which was awesome. I have to say. <laughs> Thank that you. Great. That was so good. Thank you. Yeah. And so, you know, in that case, you know, I, I just felt like it was just a way to really streamline the process and just shoot it myself. I knew that team. I had put that whole team together for Ryan mm -hmm. Murphy, the producer, and, and it just felt like a good fit. So that's what we did. Is there one of those situations where sometimes you feel like <clears throat> at a certain point, you just kind of, it's easier for you to kind of do it yourself, even though it's more work, you know what your vision is. So yeah. why don't I just take care of this, you know? Yeah. I mean, and it's like, you know, don't get me wrong. Like having a great cinematographer can be helpful and it can, it can save your butt. Cause there's somebody that's really smart and knows maybe way more than I do about the technical stuff too. Sometimes if you're on a really technically heavy piece, but for like a drama or something where you really want to be intimate and 
you know, my thing with Versace was it's just, I wanted it to be really visceral and raw and like let the actors really take over that piece in a way and not make it so much about lots of lighting and spend a lot of time doing so much finesse with the lights, you know, and, and let it be a little more raw looking. And that, so in that case, it kind of worked that we weren't tweaking lights every shot we could right. let, you know, we could, we could just focus more on the performance and, and, you know, yeah. So that, so that in that case, I think it works, um, you know, but there's negatives too, because, um, you know, like sometimes you can, it is, it is more to focus on and it could become, you know, the, just the physical task of production can be overwhelming. So, yeah, so it's, it's, it's a give or take. I, I, you know, I've yeah. had great experience with cinematographers as a director and, and some not so great. So it just depends on really the, the collaboration. Well, so I wanted to ask you about the collaboration part of it, because I think, you know, people who are doing in any industry, I mean, the way you just described as an army of people who are all <laughs> working so that the thing that we're seeing on our TV screen or on our phone or whatever it is, looks a certain way. And there's, you know, how many people are involved. So, you know, what's your what's your sort of uh, approach to getting all of these different people together to, to come up with that image that's in your head? Well, that's kind of like, that's a lot of, that's really uh, the challenge, you know, is to creating something that's, that's going to be effective as a storytelling thing. And like, you know, when I, when I figure out kind of how I want to do something in a movie or a television episode or a pilot, you have to envision it in your mind. Right. And then you have to get, you know, like you said, 150 people on board to what that, that image is maybe that shot, that moment. And, you know, also including the actors emotionally, sometimes they're not in the same headspace you are. And so it's a real challenge, you know, and that's, that's kind of the art of it, you know, cause it's not just the director running around doing everything, you know, there's, yeah. you, re you really have to rely on the, you know, right, you need right. all these other people to make it. Filmmaking is a very collaborative art form, just like many, you know, most businesses. And you have to, uh, you have to be a leader in the sense of you have to be, you know, in the way I like to do it is to be inspirational and be nice about it and to really collaborate with people. I, you know, there's, I know they're kind of the mode of the dictator director and, you know, this is what I want. And if it's not that, you know, you're James Cameron, you scream at everybody. Right. But I don't, you know, I haven't worked with him, so I don't know that to be the case, but you know, that's what I've heard, but I, you know, I don't know. I, I think in the new age and kind of where we're at right now as a society, it's like, it's, it's, you, I want to work with collaborators that I like and, and I want people to like me in the sense of like, let's all try to make things better, you know, right. across the board, because, you know, to do something that's really effective, like, you know, like Versace, them, something that stands out from the din of, you know, the 500 show, new shows coming out every year or movies. It's like, you have, I, I think you really need everybody emotionally invested in it. And that starts with the actors down to, you know, the electricians, the grips, the PAs, you want people to really care. That, that's great. And that speaks to, I mean, on this podcast, I've had to talk to Patrick a lot about that because he's usually screaming <laughs> at people. I'm like, that's not I'm how we're going to get very very loud. Yeah. yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, I wonder if you could uh, give people a glimpse. So in, in creating a scene or a moment that's supposed to be foreboding or kind of scary. Yeah. I mean, I think people kind of understand maybe how music might be affecting them, but can you talk about like the, the importance of where the camera is or what angle it's at or how close or how far away it might 
uh, be lending to the scene and the emotion of the scene? Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. That's a huge part of it. You know, and that's a lot of what we do to create, you know, scares or thrills or to get, make you feel a sense of dread is uh, in the, in how the camera and the lighting interact. And, you know, a lot of times I've found that if you put a camera really, really close to somebody, it's, it's, it's much more immediate and visceral. You know, if somebody's really terrified and they're in a dark basement, if you have a camera 20 feet away, it feels like you're observing them. But if you have a camera that's like a foot from their face and you can see yeah. every twitch of their eye, you you can't see, you know, like you can, you're more, you feel like you're trapped with them. And, you know, um, I just watched Silence of the Lambs again, you know, one of the best kind of horror thrillers ever made. And when she's, when, Clarice is in the basement with the, you know, with the, uh, the, in the kill, the bill, uh, bill has the, uh, night vision goggles on the, yes. the camera's right in her face. Like that yes. whole thing is like right yes. with her. And it's terrifying. Cause that's what, yeah. it, that's what, that's the feeling you wanted to feel, you know, that you're yeah, trapped in yeah. the basement. So what we try to do, what I try to do a lot is be at a performance beat, you know, a scene or a horror moment. It's like, try to try to get as close as you can to the thing. So you can, mm. so you, can you know, so you can, uh, you can experience what the actor's experiencing. And when you're, when you're rehearsing things like that, are people like sitting around a table, like screaming their heads off? Like, how, does that, <laughs> how does that work? No, I mean, you, you, cause you try to save the voice, you know, like cause yeah. these actors do this, you know, like, like in the end of, you know, like say like, um, them, you know, the pilot episode where she goes out and she's got the gun and she's, you know, they've just killed the family dog and she's screaming at the neighbors and yeah. it's the big climax of that first episode. Mm-hmm. You know, like she can only do that a few times because her voice will go out, you know, and right. I need her for another three weeks to shoot other scenes. Yeah. You know? So it's like, <laughs> so we have to be kind of specific about, you know, so when we rehearse, I'm like, okay, don't just give this 20% so we can understand where you're going to stand, you know, and we, right. and we work okay. out the technical, like where the camera is going to work and the lighting. And, and yeah, so we try to, we, you know, you, yeah, you have to, with the, with the actors and the artists that they are, you kind of have to give them a little bit of space so they can, they can build to those moments. Cause it's, um, it's taxing, you know, physically and emotionally. And, and, it, you know, uh, so American crime story, these are both, uh, obviously based on, uh, true events, mm-hmm. you know, how do you approach that versus, you know, the, you know, the kind of fantastical, uh, horror stories where you could kind of do anything. What's, what's that yeah. like more coming up from our guests, but first a word from our sponsor. Look, 2020 has proven to be the year of many things. But if you own a small business, this could also be the year you switch to better payroll. Gusto wasn't just built for small businesses, it was built for the people behind them. Their online payroll is so easy to use. Gusto can automatically calculate paychecks and file all your payroll taxes, which means you have more time to run your business. Plus, Gusto does way more than payroll. Gusto helps with time tracking health insurance, 401ks, onboarding, commuter benefits, offer letters, access to HR experts, you get the idea. It's super easy to set up and get started. And if you're moving from another provider, they can transfer all your data for you. It's no surprise 94% of customers are likely to recommend Gusto. And here's the best part, because you're a listener, you get three months totally free totally free for three months. That's awesome. All you have to do is go to gusto.com slash 
G-A-R-J. Again, that's gusto.com slash G-A-R-J. I'm telling you, you're going to love Gusto. Get started today. And we're back. Well, it's like it's a slightly different tone. You know, when you're when you're kind of basing your story on a on a real world event or something or based on, you know, possible, you know, real characters. I mean, like when we did OJ, you know, it's like I got to meet Marsha Clark, you know, and it's like, so yeah, you, kind of, you want to do mm-hmm. them justice a little bit. You know, you know, you you know, you, you want to kind of. You know, it, yes, it's a, it's still a script and it's written, and it, a lot of these things maybe didn't happen exactly the way they did. But you know, you want you want to be a little bit truthful, so it it changes the tone a little bit. You know, like a horror story, American Horror Story is more operatic. It's a little bit more fan, fantastical. It's a little, and it's you can kind of feel that in the way the performances are maybe a little bigger, a little more uh, farcical. You know, yeah. and mm-hmm. um. Yeah. So it's really a tone thing. And that's, that's really, as a director, it's a really hard thing to understand. Like it's, it's, you know, create like what, what tone is, is like kind of the way that the, the way the people, the way that the story functions in the, in the world of the story. So the way the actors react to things, how big the performances are, how small they are. Um, And it's, it's a tricky thing. That's one of the hardest things as directors to really nail tone and, uh, and a piece like, um, you know, them or uh, American Horror Story have a little bit of an operatic tone. You know, they have a tone that right. can veer into, um, you know, uh, something a little bit larger, which, you know, you can use to great effect. So it's it's uh, it's interesting to play, you know, between those two worlds. Um, I wonder if you could also talk about, um, you, you mentioned you went to USC and, uh, you, you know, you started off and you know, Hollywood and making movies isn't the easiest career path. (laughs) It's like kind of famously difficult uh, to get into this business. So uh, can you talk about that, you know, jump from being a student into the world and were there mentors that, that helped you along the way? And then part seven of my question, are you, um, you know, do you feel uh, a call to kind of help pull up uh, new people as they come into the business? Yeah, no, absolutely. It's a great question. And, you know, it, it is notoriously difficult and it is pretty difficult to get into the business. I will attest to that. It takes, uh, it takes a long time. You know, I've been doing this over 20 years and I only started directing five years ago. So it took mm. me 15 years, you know till I could really direct uh, professionally full time. So, you know, that's a long time. That's a long time working really hard. Uh, I was fortunate and then I could work as a cinematographer and do really well in that world. But, um, but yeah, so it's, you know, you start as if you're lucky, you know, and can get into a great film school. I was really lucky to get into USC. I didn't, you know, I applied to five or six, I think NYU, Columbia. I only got into, I got waitlisted at USC for grad school and I was really lucky to get in there. Um, and once I was there, I, you know, once I was in LA, it's like the first thing they tell you is, you know, look to your left, look to your right. Like these are the people that you're going to be working with. It's not the professors. It's not like the people you're going to come up with are the people that you're in that room and they're right. right. You know, and a lot of the people that I'm are, you know, that I've worked with now are, are, you know, out and about, you know, directing big things, do, doing all kinds of different jobs in the business. And so you have to look at it like you're starting your business career then, you know, and you got to mm-hmm. get on the sets, you got to make your own things happen. It's, you know, it's like starting a small business. That's how I looked at it. Like, yeah. you know, you have to um, build your brand, 
You have to, yeah, because, you know, Hollywood, it's just like anything, they have to know what they're buying, right? So if you get known for something, um, you have to kind of, you have to be aware of that and you have to cultivate it. And, uh, and uh, you know, and it takes a long, long time and a lot of hard work. I mean, the hours are brutal. The travel can be really difficult. Um, we work minimum a day is 12 hours, you know, mm. usually it's about 14. So, you know, all in. So a lot of people don't want to do 14 hour days, five, yeah. six days a week for a right. hundred dollars a day, you know, right. like that's really, really hard. And but what uh, about but, all the craft services? You get, uh, <laughs> bagels, you get, you get free diet Cokes. Yeah. It's nice. You know, I like that. I still, you know, and you get, you know, so yeah, you get some free stuff, but you know, on the low budget stuff and the student films, there isn't really craft service. So like right, when you, right. the first couple of years of your career, you may not even get that, you know, right. so you have, you have to love it. You have to really get excited about being on set and that collaboration. That's why you have to, you know, I never did it for the money or anything. I did it cause I loved it, you know, and then still do. So, so yeah. So anyway, so I, you go through all that and if you're lucky, you know, and you kind of, you get a little, you're in the right place at the right time and you can get some, get some notoriety and get known and start booking some bigger jobs and all upwards and onwards, it can work out really, really great. Um, and you have to have some mentors to get there. You know, that's, um, you know, I think, uh, Ryan Murphy, who was a, who was a, he helped me start directing. He's a big, uh, big, one of the biggest producers in Hollywood. Um, you know, did horror story and American crime story, uh, ratchet. A lot of the, a lot of the first shows I directed were through him. And, uh, you know, so you, he's a person that, um, you know, was interested in finding talent, finding young people to, to, you know, it also helps him because he can build a great stable of people that can work on his shows. So, mm. you know, but he needs, you know, he's, he's a producer who's looking not just to hire, you know, just white males. So he, you know, he saw me, I was Korean and he, he gave me a shot. He, yeah. He asked me what I wanted to do. He's like, you know, he's like, you're great. You're a great cinematographer, but what do you want to, you know, what do you want to do? Do you want to keep doing that? Do you want to, and I was like, I want to direct. So he said, okay. And he gave me an episode of horror story and then wow. you know, launched my career. So that, that, yeah, that's, that's, that takes a person in that position who wants to take a risk on somebody, you know, and, and, uh, and he's really, he's really done that. He created a program called the half program, which is a really great, uh, uh, way to get, uh, minority and female, uh, talent, um, in front of the, uh, behind the camera. And mm. it's basically like, as you, anytime you direct a Ryan Murphy television show, you get assigned a mentee, you men, uh, a mentee. So a young person that they hand selected from this really talented group of people and they shadow you for the whole episode during prep and, uh, uh -huh. and during shooting. And, um, and then, and then, uh, it's launched a lot of really great careers. So like the first, uh, person that I had as a, uh, as a mentee, um, was, um, Alexis Ostrander, who, uh, I really, really liked. She was really smart. She came to set every day prepared with her own shot list. And, uh, when the episode, when my, when my, when my directing episode ended, I, I wrote Ryan a letter and said, I think she'd be a great fit for a horror story. Let's give her an episode. And, uh, and he gave her one, you know, oh, so this is awesome. a young woman who'd never directed a television show. And now she's doing one of the biggest shows in Hollywood and it launched her career. Now she's doing eight, nine episodes of television a year. And she's really, really sought after. Oh, that's, so. that's awesome. Yeah. That, so that's, that's that great. takes a big uh, commitment from you too. I'm sure not every minute of every day you want to have someone sitting <laughs> there taking you. notes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Get out of here, mentee. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's, it's tricky and it's, it's hard to be, you know, to, to, 
to do that. But it's like, I found that to be so rewarding. And, and, you know, and now Alexis and I are like, we're great friends. And like, we just worked together on another show with, um, you know, for Apple. And it's like, it was so cool to be able to kind of connect. And I, that's been actually my favorite part of the business is to kind of help some of those people because people helped me, you know, in the same way. Right. So it's like, I think the business, Hollywood in particular, lives and dies on its stories and to have more voices, to have young, different voices only makes it better. You know, it's like, if, if you can have different perspectives, it makes, it makes everything stronger, you know? So I think, uh, I think it's really important to do and not, you know, really, really happy to be a part of that when I can. Um, and, you know, and, and just the, um, the way, the way technology is now, it seems like if you're someone who has a calling to this, uh, you know, it's really up to you. You're the only obstacle to like create something, you know, yeah. like our phones, um, you know, I, so I went, I actually went to NYU undergrad oh, great. film school uh, and it got me all the way to this podcast, but, <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, your lighting looks great, Dan. Yeah. Uh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> uh, but, you know, we had like, film cameras with film in them and it was heavy and super yeah. expensive. And anytime I shoot something with my phone, I'm like, Oh my God, this is incredible. <laughs> I don't know if people understand how amazing this is, how good oh, this is and easy to use. Totally. Yeah. Cause when I started, it was, you know, the Aries and the Bolexes and they're hard to load and they jam up and it's yeah. like every, every roll of film costs Three hundred dollars to develop. Yeah, it was, yeah. It was, it was pretty. There were no second. There's no second <laughs> takes on a on a student film set. No, uh, no. We got it. Okay, move on. Exactly. You got to cut it in camera, basically. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's really hard. So yeah, the things have changed, you know, and it's 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 good. It's, it's like there's there's more chances to do stuff, you know, and you know everything I shoot is digital these days. I mean, though the cameras have seen gotten bigger, like they're all gigantic now. Like, right, right, right. These old anamorphic lenses and like the the it's all large format now. So the cameras are bigger than they were, <laughs> but I think the cameras we're using now are like 65 pounds, but, um, anyway, but yeah, but you can, but, but that doesn't mean like Steven Soderbergh did a movie on an iPhone, you know? So you right, can, right, right. it doesn't really matter. The audience doesn't really care about the lenses, you know, like they care about the story, what your voice is, you know, and, and if you can, and to have those tools is really, really amazing. Do you ever, as as a leader, whether it's you're in the role of the director or the cinematographer, where you've set something incredibly elaborate up, the camera's in a crazy place, <laughs> there's all this stuff, and then you look at it and you're like, no, this is what I should have done. <laughs> do you just go with it because everyone put in all this effort or do you just pull the plug on it? No, you, I mean, you have to trust your gut, you know, yeah. ultimately, you know, you're, you're, you're kind of the, you're kind of the last line of defense to make something good. So, you know, producers, the studio, you know, be it Amazon or, you know, Apple or, or the traditional studios, they hire you because they want your taste. They want you to make those decisions. You know, they can't really make those decisions in the moment. They're setting up, you know, five years down the line, all the yeah. new the new stuff. So if you're on the floor and you're the director, you know, you know, you you kind of have to make those decisions. And sometimes, you know, you can't think about the money every second of every day. You got to just, you know, like sometimes a shot may take six hours, you know, and that it's nobody likes that the line producers, the people in charge of the, like the money, you know, on the day-to-day -day basis don't like that. But sometimes you have to do that if you want to do something special. 
and you have to change stuff and yet sometimes you have to relight things or reshoot pieces. Uh, it's just part of the process. Um, right. And when you, you know, the good thing is, you know, with the huge amount of media being made, the studios kind of understand you need, you need quality right now to really attract eyeballs. Yes. You know, it's like, you can't, cause you, if you're going to rise above the din, if you're not making great stuff, then what's the point? You know, it's not, they're making the investment. What's an extra couple thousand dollars, you know? Right. Right. Well, so. I think, I think we all learned that during the, like Patrick and I would always be like texting each other, like, <laughs> Oh, I watched this show. I watched yeah. that show. Yeah. And you, you assumed when you didn't have, you know, hours and hours and hours to kill every day, you assume there's like a million shows that are great that you just haven't seen, but you definitely like get to the bottom and you're like, you whittle oh. them down. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> totally. Yeah. There's not, there's not that much great stuff. That's the thing. It's like, there's the getting great materials really, really hard, you know, and, and executing it and having the people to be able to execute it at the level that you really want to see. It's, there's not a ton of people that can do that. So yeah, it's, so yeah, I found that TV, like, you know, I, when I went to film school, it was all movies, you know, features. I never, ever would have worked in TV, but like now it's like, I have way more money in a television show. Like the amount of like time we're basically shooting it in, on this project I'm working on now, which I can't name at the moment, but it's the, we're shooting at like hundred million dollar movie pace. You know, that's wow. the budget they have. So it's like, Jeez. you know, it's, it's a different world now. Things have shifted so, so rapidly, you know, it's, it's, right. It's kind of an interesting time to to be making any kind of media. And I'm assuming when you make something for Amazon, Jeff Bezos is sending you notes. He's watching the dailies <laughs> and uh... strangely, not yet. I haven't. I haven't <laughs> he beams in with his ideas. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. We do talk about him a lot. You know, we assume he's here. He hears. Yeah, everything. yeah. <laughs> so. That's great. Well, I know you can't talk about this thing that you're working on right now, but. Uh, you know, for people who do want to check out some of your stuff, I'm curious, which, which was your first American Horror Story episode? Which season was it? Which episode was it? It was, uh, this, I think it was season five, I want to say. It was Roanoke. It was the oh. one. That, it was the one that with like Kathy Bates as the butcher. Uh, yeah. It was... <laughs> It was the one that became like the reality show halfway through. <laughs> oh my God, that's awesome. So I did the final episode of the first half, which was the, uh, like still in the, the world of Roanoke. Like okay, great. And then it after that, um, and, um, Angela Bassett directed the next episode, which became the reality show where we revealed it's a reality show. <laughs> so That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, as we've mentioned American Crime Story, Ratchet, uh, and also, and them, which I, I heartily encourage people to check out. I, I'm, I'm just starting into it, so I don't want to know anything well, about it. God, well, it's <laughs> but, but it's great. Um, well, so great talking to you and get it, hearing about what's going on behind our, our screens. Um, Patrick, did you have any parting thoughts? No, I'm just so psyched. To, I've actually... Full admission, I've never seen any of the American horror stories. So now just hear you guys talk about it. I want to jump into all of them. <laughs> have fun. They're a wild <laughs> ride. Yeah. I might have some uh, some nightmares, but that's okay. Yeah. That's a, that's the problem for me and your work is that my wife is terrified of anything remotely scary. And you, you mentioned Silence of the Lambs. Like if she hears half a word come out of Lecter's mouth. She like runs out of the room. Yeah. So uh, I have to watch it on my own time. My wife's the same way. And I'm, I'm, I'm developing a, a possible exorcist project right now. So we'll, uh, oh, 
we'll we'll see. It's not it's not even in the stages where like it, it fully exists yet. But oh it's, my god, it's a, something I'd like to do, and I just want to do something just wholly, heartily terrifying. You know that movie. <laughs> Uh, what I saw it when I was 11, I think, and mm. I'm still like terrified. <laughs> yeah, unbelievable. Well, no, ele- what 11 year old should be watching that movie anyway? Yeah. My parents are horrible people. <laughs> that raises our. Right. <laughs> All right, Nelson, uh, we will let you get back to the great. set. Uh, so great talking to you. And- Thank you so much. It was yeah. great. Of course, guys. Thanks for having me. All right, take care. Thank Bye. you. Bye. That's our episode, folks. Hope you enjoyed it. Get a Real Job comes out every Tuesday. So be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you harvest your favorite podcasts. Leave us a review. Give us a share. Don't make me beg people. Go to entrepreneur.com for new episodes of this and to listen to our other great podcasts. Thanks. Thanks.